Welcome to the Woke Blokes podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Woke Blokes podcast. Ryan Hassan here, as always, joined by Nick Sutherland. Nico, how are you doing, my friend? I am moist and left of center. <laughs> part of your anatomy are we talking about here which part would you like it to be (laughs) um you are left of center of the screen and um it is a bit moist down where where you are right here it is it is i've just been outside in the rain so there is quite a considerable amount of precipitation and as such i am moist yeah, I like the, I like standing well, in the well, rain. Well, well, well. I like singing in the rain. Yeah, were you singing today in the rain? Uh, I may do. I may yeah, do. we were we we're laughing off air um, about how a lot of women don't like the word moist. Yeah, it's I think it's a hilarious word. And and it's funny. Some it's a divisive word. Some people can deal with it. Some people can't. And it's, I suppose, a little bit risque at the start of this episode. So, sorry, listeners, if you're having your breakfast or whatever. But um, <laughs> uh, panties is another one. Panties. The, the word panties, you know. Yeah, you listen to it. We were, watching Ameri- we were watching an American movie the other day, and they said the word panties, and M was like, oh, she had this, like, aversion to it, like a physical reaction to the word. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. But she's got no issue, she's got no issue with the word moist, where yeah. other women I know – have that same physical reaction to could moist. be reversed, but panties are okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like we all NLP tells us that we all have a different meaning for every word, you know. So, like someone, if if I said the word, if you're listening and I say the word picnic, then you think, well, what 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 do you think of when I say the word picnic? And then some, what do you think of Nick when I say that word? What's what's the first thing that pops into your mind? Uh, Yogi Bear, what's in your picnic basket? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is what I mean. For some people, you think of Yogi Bear and that scene. Some people will think of, you know, sitting on a blanket, eating food and having a picnic. Someone will think um, of the chocolate bar, a picnic. And then even if you have two people that are thinking of sitting on a rug, eating the food, it'll be a different colored rug for different people. It'll be a different location. It'll be different food. Like we all have our own meaning, individual meaning for every single word. And we tend to give different words, different powers based on, on the experiences we've had them in the past. So maybe there was the panties one makes me remember that Seinfeld episode when Jerry was, um, we were dating a girl who was starting to talk dirty to him in bed and he didn't know what to say. And she started talking about her panties. And Jerry said, what, the one your mum laid out for you last night or something? And she just got up and left. <laughs> and he was telling George. And George is like, it's not even, it's not even bad. It's just weird. <laughs> he's like, he's like I, pa- I panicked. I didn't know what to say. I was just trying to keep up. <laughs> I panicked. Uh, what uh, what are you wearing there? What are you what, what's what's around your neck today? Um, I've got a what do they call this? It's yeah, this sounds exciting. Quantum science. It's a quantum science uh, necklace thing that you know has all these magical powers. But um, one of the things that apparently does is protect from EMFs as well. 
So I keep, you know, I wear that sometimes near the heart, you know, the from the phone, the magnetic frequencies and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, looks pretty cool too. So, yeah, Mel got them for me a while ago. So I'll bust them out every now and then. So it's the, yeah, there was, I remember when she got it, there was a whole deal, quantum science. You didn't go to like the website. It tells you all the stuff that it does and all that. But um, I just thought I'd, you know, get a bit dressed up for you today, Nick. I'm even wearing a, a shirt, a T-shirt. Thank you. You are wearing a T-shirt. I was very well enunciated. I'm wearing a T-shirt. I am wearing a T-shirt. I had a, I had a client the other day say, I had a client the other day pronounce something, something. You know how yeah. some people yeah, put yeah. a K on the end of something. Yeah. And I said, oh, I, I didn't know there was a K on the end of something. And he's like, what? Oh, oh. <laughs> I went, don't worry, it's what I'm doing here. I pick up on people's words. and But it, it's just, it was just an example of how we speak mindlessly and we yeah. don't even listen to what we're saying. And so if someone was to actually s- listen and consciously say the word something, there would no, be no K on the end of it. But it's just a... I'm going to use the word lazy, but it doesn't mean they're a lazy person, but it's just lazy speaking. It's just a, oh, something. It's like dragging your feet when you're (laughs) you're walking. It's like scuffing your feet. Yeah, yeah. I've been noticing it with with Tommy. I've been trying to pick myself up because, you know, he'll he'll try and say words but won't quite say them correctly. So where we are, there's a lot of geckos. And he says, like, gokko, gokko. But then there I found myself calling them gokos. So now I'm like, I'm just reinforcing him saying it the wrong way. So now I've got to say, look, it's a gecko because now I start calling him gockos because when, when he says it, it's real cute and you kind of want to play along. But um, yeah, it's funny. It's funny. But um, today, today we're talking gonna, about... Are you going to teach him Thai? Are you going to get him speaking Thai from an early age? I, do, he's just, I think he's naturally developing a hybrid language at the minute because you know awesome. but, but now he's nearly spent like half his life here um he probably speaks more thai than me and melissa do to be honest um <laughs> so uh yeah he's kind of got a bit of a, a hybrid language but you know he's stringing some words together and that and and all that kind of stuff so it's good it's good fun yeah. it's good fun oh yes we are we are we are speaking about ego today e-g-o ego the almighty ego the almighty and yeah, what prompted yeah yeah what prompted, what prompted it? this because uh, yeah i said to you i sent you a message saying let's chat about ego and you're like oh yes i'm in for that um so I was sitting with a client yesterday and uh, let, let's go back a decade first um to when i did my work on my metanoia and i broke down and then rebuilt and i realized after afterwards that I was acting, I was operating off a very irrational, rigid, tight belief system that was producing a lot of anxiety and stress and depression and, and whatnot. Um, and so fast forward was it seven years later, so maybe three years ago, I, did, I was doing a cognitive behavior therapy four-day advanced program um, with um, Dom Dimitia. And he came in and his first words to a room full of therapists and whatnot was, you're all ignorant, you're all incompetent, you're all mediocre. And, and most people, 
in the room went into suffering, you know, went into a bit of shock, a bit of, oh, I took it personally. And I didn't. I just sat there and I actually had the opposite reaction. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. This is awesome. How brilliant is this four days going to be? This dude's off his head. What's going on here? It's great. <laughs> so I wasn't triggered where everyone else was. And I couldn't figure it out. So we had a chat about it. And long story short, yeah, the the work I did in my metanoia at I stopped operating off those ego-driven beliefs. Uh, mm-hmm. That's all the me, the my, the I. And so I was able um, to sit there and listen to him without being triggered. So I sat in that space between stimulus and response that I talk about from um, Viktor Frankl's work in the logotherapy. And I was able just to observe it for what it was. And that's... Um, when I did that, it was I could hear the actual truth of it. And we are all ignorant. We are all incompetent. We are all mediocre to some degree. And that's okay. It's not a bad thing. It's just it's just real. Yeah. So yeah. And then and then yesterday, um a client said to me, he's come back after some some life events and he said, you know, my wife and I have found your work to be far more superior than any other therapist work. And that we've been to, and I just observed this little. It was like a a waking giant. It was it was like <laughs> the, there was this food trickling down to where the ego dwells deep within, and it's laid dormant predominantly for such a long time. And that word "superior" sort of trickled in, and and I just I sat there and I, I really just observe this and and i thought how curious i'm like this ego is still in there somewhere you can't get rid of it you can't kill it you can't destroy it but and and i i mindfully just dismissed that superior word and and was just went into gratitude that this guy had a and his wife had a nice experience with with us in our programs but um yeah i just thought it'd be great to talk about that today and how easy the the ego you know comes into play and how often it happens and how unaware people of it are and what are the ramifications of that yeah i think it's a it's a really good topic it's something that we all think about and it might be worth even you know a couple of things that you said there is you know we talk about um met- metanoia um that's how it's pronounced now um we talk about metanoia and how it's the breaking down and rebuilding of uh, a human being but what it really is 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 the breaking down and rebuilding of the ego the ego structure the ideas around who we are as a person and our you know identity or whatever you want to call it and it might be worth even starting off by talking about because like we said at the start everyone has a different meaning for every word it's probably worth defining what ego actually means you know, like what is the ego? Because there is a few d- different definitions. If you look up the epidemiology of the word ego, it simply means I. So that the sense of I as an individual human being and my, I suppose, separateness from others. And I mean, that's a quite a broad term. That's a whole other topic. What is the sense of I? Then you think of uh, people like Freud. You know, Fr- Freud had his the, the id, the ego, and the superego. And in his definition, the ego was um, a lot around, you know, the, the, the id was these primal desires and the ego was what kind of buffered those desires um, to the outside world. Like if I'm, the, the id says, you know, I'm hungry, if I can eat right now, then the ego would say, well, no, you're in the middle of a meeting, um, wait till the meeting's over. So it would buffer it. So there's kind of these different meanings 
for the word ego. And um, it's probably worth, you know, defining. So the way, the way I suppose I see ego is that the ego is not a, not a bad thing or a, or a good thing. I think an ego is just our uh, psychological concepts around who we are as a human being. You know, so like, that's why I think you're, well, when you had your metanoia, Nick, and probably same with me, it's like the, the breakdown of the ego and the rebuilding, there was still an ego there, but the ego was just made up of different structures and a lot of beliefs and, and ideas around who you were started to change. And, you know, if we start to get, you know, really deep, it's like, we all, we all need to have an ego so that we have a separate experience of life. You know, that's why, you know, I've, I've sort of got the belief that, you know, and, and people can believe what they want, but it's like, let's say that existence is the universe trying to experience itself, or you can call it God or whatever, whatever words that you want to use. But it's like, we all started, even science tells us, we all started from this single point, this dot, and then this big bang happened, this explosion, um, and over billions of years, we've ended up in the position that we are now. And there's all these different um, elements going on. So kind of the ego is there because I can only know what I am by knowing what I'm not. And so like, you know, Nick has a different ego to me. Every human being has a different ego. And so I can start to understand the world by having this thing. And I think any teachings that talk about getting rid of ego, the way I define it is that we, we, we can't get rid of ego because ego. No, as I said, we don't want to get rid of it because we need to differentiate ourselves. But I think like anything, if we look at it on a spectrum, there's no ego. So we can't define who we are and there's, way too much ego i think it's about finding that healthy balance point yeah so the, the way i view the world is that we're all from the same place like and we are like really like you know and without getting too spiritual like we, we were literally birthed out of exploding stars and that's so we all we all came from the same place at some point so we're all deeply connected in that sense we're all brothers and sisters Inter not, interconnected we're all interconnected not just with other human beings or with animals with plants but with with everything right mm. um so we're all one in that instance but then we are all here to have an individual experience of life like you know we don't want to have two nicks or two ryans we just want one each we want to be into individuals so it's like i i know that i'm here and have this egoic structure of who ryan is but and i'll play that game of ryan but i still know that at the end of the day we're all connected and all one so i think for me we, we start to get to an unhealthy ego where we start to become egoic is probably another term when we when we don't know or we forget that we are all connected and we're all kind of here playing a bit of a game. And um, I get too identified with that psychological structure of who Ryan is. Cause if I get too identified with it, I feel like I have to protect it. Then that's why if I say, you know, Nick, you're that, I don't like that shirt. You know, you, you get really defensive if you're really identified with the way that you dress. Yeah. If, it, if, it, if I felt this defined me and you were attacking me, then I would feel the need to defend myself and then I would end up in a heightened state and then I would stop being present and then I'd, you know, be in fight flight mode and all that sort of stuff. So the, yeah, the ego really, if not kept in check, I suppose, can have a psychological and physiological effect on us and spiritual, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And what you said, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but your actual story with, with the client makes me remember um, 
uh, I think it's Christine Hassler. I was listening to her on a podcast uh, years ago. And um, yeah, she was seeing, starting to see clients and she had this mentor who was teaching her, her, you know, life coaching, whatever she does, that kind of thing. Anyway, she did this session with a client and it went amazing, like incredible things happened. And, and the client was probably telling her how amazing she was and blah, blah, blah. And so after the client left, she was so like, oh, like so excited that she called her mentor straight away and said, oh man, this client, this happened and this has shifted for blah, blah, blah. And the, men- and the mentor who must've been really, like, I love it. The mentor was like, what are you doing? And she's like, what do you mean? She goes, you just used your client to make yourself feel good. And then she was like, Oh, ouch. <laughs> because it's like, that's a, like another saying. It's like, <laughs> we're never as bad as people say and we're never as good as people say, but our ego really wants to you know, have people have a high opinion of us. And it's so interesting that you notice that little um, thing. And I, I notice it in me all the time as well. And it's like, okay, it's like a little rabbit dog that you've got to calm down a little bit. <laughs> I, I, asked, I asked Shane to write a bio for the MindFit website. Yep. So we could put him on the MyFit website. And he he hadn't done it after a week. And I checked back and I'm like, well, what's, what's going on? And he's like, I'm really struggling to do it. And I said, why? He goes, because you kept whacking my ego so much in our sessions. Like he, he came in very ego-based and he's done a lot of work to reduce the amounts that, that he his ego is in play. And he goes, so every time I'm trying to write something nice about myself, I feel like I can't because it's my ego. I feel like I'm being egotistical. I'm like... <laughs> it's it's going it's, and it's so natural. You go from one end of the spectrum yeah. to the other, and then you can come back and find that you balance. Balance point. out, balance out. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's um, and I, I often talk to clients about how yeah we've got this ten eighty ten rule, and I think I've, I have talked about this in the mm-hmm. podcast. And ten percent of clients will get amazing results and think it's superior work, and ten percent will think it's total shit, and eighty percent will just go, "Yep, that's great." And so I'm talking to Shane and other people out. You can't ride those highs and lows and working with AFL players and, and elite sports people as well. I'm like, you can't read the press because as soon as you start buying into what other people are selling you, you're handing them the key to your happiness. And mm. when they're saying nice things about you, oh, I feel great. When they say not nice things about you, which they're going to do, oh, I feel not great. And so you're not actually, your emotional intelligence isn't, in play there because you're not able to self-manage and self-regulate. Yeah. And if we think about uh, the, the unhealthy ego, there's two, two main functions of it. One, it always needs to be right. And, mm-hmm. and number two, it just has an insatiable appetite that will never be filled. <laughs> so, and, and, that's, and that's that, you know, the, one of the three amigos, I must get what I want. I'm attached to a desired outcome. Uh, you know, attachment is, is a craving. It's a desire. I need more. I have a million dollars. I need $2 million. It's, it can never, is it? It's never, you can never sate the appetite of, yeah. the, of the ego. Yeah, because it just it get, it gets what it wants and then immediately wants the next thing, and it's like you know that's why it's like addiction. You know, like uh, Gabor Mate, like his book on addiction is called "In the Realm of the Hungry Ghosts," and I think the the realm of the hungry ghosts. I'm not sure it's an ancient story, you know, but it's these ghosts walking around with these big bellies, but they're just trying to shove stuff in their belly to fill themselves up, but they can never be full because the food just kind of falls through them because they're ghosts, mm. but they don't understand so they're just constantly trying to shove stuff in from the outside, and um and this this is a, uh, a form that the ego can take. It's just let me 
let me validate my experience through external sources. And then, like you said, like it can be whether it is an elite sports player reading the press, or it can even just be, you know, someone placing way too much value on the opinion of a coworker or a family member or something like that. The scales are out of balance there. Like we should be listening to our own inner voice over these other voices. Doesn't mean we don't mm-hmm. take advice, but we, we listen to our own inner voice. But so many people are completely out of whack where they they form, their ego is kind of formed based on what other people say or think about them or what they perceive other people say and think about them. Yeah, because they're using one of those other of the three amigos that I must be loved or I must be liked. And it's so, I mean, but those three amigos, they all start with the I, I must. So it's very ego, it's very rigid. I must be liked. People must say, Ryan must say that my shirt looks really nice. If he doesn't, then oh my god, you know, it's it's our sense of worth is suddenly handed over to somebody who is probably struggling with their own capacity to make themselves happy. So when we're coming from the ego, where we are, we are often in suffering, and when we're in suffering, we're in survival mode. So when we're in survival mode, we can't then be there for other people around us. We can't give to any of our relationships. We're always just trying to take, and just has this real you, you just you end up down that rabbit hole pretty quick. So I was just scrolling through an old, old uh, booklet and I found it. I'd write down like different things out of books that grabbed my attention. And then there was one here. This is from the the five levels of attachment. I think this is Don Miguel Ruiz's son wrote this, but he may have contributed to it as well. Um, and this is kind of the, the the point where we've had enough of the ego. But the quote from the book is, there comes a point in life when we grow tired of needing to be right especially when we see how this ego feeding need affects our relationships with people who just want to be our friends with the beautiful souls who just wanted to love us. I had an experience with, with, with M. She's been a great mirror slash teacher for me. And, and yeah, I caught myself, my ego started to try and battle hers and, and yeah, I, I got caught up in this. I must be right thing and I, I was lucky enough to able to observe that pretty quickly and it, it took me back to an expression I heard that being right isn't more important than other people's feelings and and I was just it was so nice to step out of the ego again and I can always tell when I'm in the ego I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not um, in alignment with myself mm-hmm. and so whenever I step out of the ego and find my way back into alignment it's just that it's instant Oh, it's a, it's, it's, it's like, it's like sitting in a bath and it's, I don't know, it's just, it's it a letting like go. Home. It's a it letting feels go, like home it? again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, a relief. Yeah. It's a, it's a lightness. It's a, um, yeah. And uh, it's amazing. I bumped into a client having a coffee the other day and we just got chatting about how they're, how they're going. And she said, yeah, my favorite session was still the one where you just cracked my ego she said it was it was I can remember it like day and, and I just kept reflecting to it without judgment and everything. I'm I guess um you know, without being egotistical, I'm quite well versed in doing this now after ten years and helping people to step out of their ego and just just through simple reflection and getting them to realise how often they're in it. And but to hear and she's not the only one to hear that um the clients that, that one of their favorite sessions is getting out of the ego. I think that speaks a lot about how much that's contributing to their suffering. Yeah. Cause I think if you feel into the energy of that ego and needing to be right and always needing more, it's just so tight 
you know, everything's so tight. And that's why I think when it, it feels like that nice warm <laughs> bath, because when you step out of it, it's like everything can just relax. <laughs> and this is why so many arguments are so futile because if, oh. if you're both in ego, so there's obviously a disagreement about something, right? And this can be in relationship, friendship, work, whatever. There's a disagreement about something. Now, if you're both in ego, you both need to be right because that's a function yeah. of the ego. Good luck resolving anything. <laughs> it's, li- it's literally impossible. And that's why it's so, happen. it's so important to, um, to come back to just saying, this is what I'm feeling. And they say, this is what I'm feeling. And you both validate what you're both feeling. Because you can't, you can argue semantics, like you should have done this or shouldn't have done that or for weeks or years, but you can't argue with what someone's feeling. That's truth, you know, and that, that can but if often you use, if you're using sure, if you use if you're using should in an argument, you're just using a cognitive distortion. So you're not going to be seeing straight or thinking clearly. And then if they start doing it, they're going to be distorted. So it's like two distorted things trying to fit together. It's just not going to happen. No. And I think the reason why, you know, the, your client said that, and I get the same thing, a lot of clients when we start to break down that ego is a beautiful thing because what happens so the ego is formed by all of our past experiences. It's like a tree that's grown and it's, it's a big trunk. There's main branches. There's little branches that come off that and there's leaves, but it's a giant structure or it's a, a neural network. And then I, I say that that's me and I get really, really identified with that. And when I get identified with that so much over so many years, I feel like I need to protect it. So my whole life becomes one of protection. I'm always in protection mode. I'm trying to protect my sense of self, my psychological self. I'm trying to protect who Ryan is. So if someone says something that I don't believe is true about me, then I want to fight back. You know, I want to, I want to, you know, get back at them because, you know, how dare you attack the idea of Ryan, you know? So I'm in protection. So what's the opposite to protection is connection, right? And so then people, we all crave this connection. We want to be able to be fully open and get close to people, but we can't if we're stuck in our ego and that's why people are, I think, and clients are able to connect with others so much easier after we start to shake that tree and find out what falls down. <laughs> it's, um, it's my, yeah, Emma's, Emma's daughter, 17 and her and I are obviously creating and constructing a relationship, um, you know, cause we're, we're, we're living together now. And it's funny. She came into the bedroom last night. I'm growing, you know, Oh, I've got a shaved head, but I'm growing this lovely bit on the back just as I um what is going on there, Nick? Yeah. Well, I just I just I'm I'm creating a source of stimulus for people to get really triggered and I'm I'm I'm, I'm loving the reactions people are going and how how many how many opinions are being yeah. thrown at me. And I'm just like I, I don't care. For those listening anyway. and not watching on YouTube, Nick's have got the full like shaved nude nut head, but then he's growing this this patch on the back, this uh, mm-hmm. like rectangular patch. From I've the- said it's going to be. I've said I'm going to grow a giant dreadlock out of it. Yeah. Um, and and so yeah, Ava came into our room last night, and she I took my hat off, and it was freshly shaved, and she's just laughing. She goes, "You're such a weirdo," and it's like <laughs> it's, it's a common theme. She keeps calling me this weirdo, and I just sat there and I went, 
I'm okay completely with who I am and what I'm doing, Aves. But if you need to, if you need to compartmentalize me or frame me in your head as a weirdo or whatever, that's okay. And I was yeah. obviously joking, saying it, yeah. taking the piss. But it was just interesting to see how many people will label you, which is another cognitive distortion, labeling. So it's because uh, they need to, they need to make sense of what they don't think is right, you know, and, and black and white, right or wrong. So it's another distortion. So, you know, these distortions come into play so much when the ego is involved. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's a really important point, this, this labelling, this uh, labelling and judging that we do. I was reading recently that, you know, one of the, the, the reasons why we do that, why we constantly narrate, and this is like the ego doing this, the ego wants to categorize and label things so it has some sort of certainty to hold on to so it can be right. I think that comes back mm. to that again. But um, that we develop that function in order to buffer us from reality because reality is intense, you know. So it's like if I go sit in front of a tree, I can just try and witness that tree but then the mind or the ego wants to jump in and say, well, what kind of tree is it? Is it a big, that's a pretty big tree. How many, that's pretty big leaves on that tree. It's blah, blah, blah. And, and all of a sudden I feel like I know that tree because I've created some mental concepts around it. When instead I can just be with the tree and not be in that egoic state. And we do that with people as well. We, when the ego walks into a room and automatically tries to say, what's the hierarchy of this room? It's like, okay, is that person better than me? Is that person worse than me? And, where do, work out where, and where do I fit into that hierarchy and how comfortable I am in that spot? And I think I should be at the top, but he thinks he should be at the top, so I'm going to attack him and make sure I can get to the top. It's so, so childlike. It's so immature. It's like, it's, it's, like, it's like the animals, you know. It's like <sighs> the, the, episode of, remember the episode of South Park, um, fuck, I've watched South Park in years. I should get back into it. But it was the episode of South Park and one of the girls in class started getting some boobs. Like she was obviously going through puberty <laughs> first and, and, and she was the one that no one paid attention to. And all of a sudden yeah. overnight, all the boys started just paying attention, wanting to be her friend and they yeah. end up kind of becoming like apes and just grunting, oh, 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 just trying to get her attention. <laughs> that's what we do we're trying we're trying to be the alpha you know male or female or or if we have a low opinion of ourselves we just try and fit in you know to certain circumstances but that's all ego whether it's we're trying to be the best or we think we're the worst that's both egoic yeah but you said you know life can be pretty intense or reality can be pretty intense um but i i think that intensity comes from you know, I, I talk about living in the reality of what would, should, and could happen. So, would is comparing, that's a distortion. Could is jumping to conclusions, so that's a distortion. And should is critical thinking, so that's a distortion. So, you're living in a distorted reality if you're in would, should, or could versus the reality of what is. And that's, as you said, just being with the tree, just observing things as they are without then trying to stick a label or a definition onto it. And I think a nice or an easy way to do it is just to observe things without then applying meaning to it. And that's what we do so much. That's where the ego really, you know, drinks the blood is is when it, it sounded dramatic, didn't it? <laughs> it's like I a mosquito. It. I like that dramatic of vampire. Yeah, or a leech or a, a mosquito. None of, neither of those are, are things that we, we really like. Um, but it does. So it's like, um, okay, I, I, 
some stimulus could be, um, I don't know, someone's not talking to me. I walk into a room and a family member or a friend or a colleague or whatever just sort of grunts at me and gives me nothing. What the ego will then do is is leap up and it's awoken. It's it's like, oh, oh, something's going on here. There's some stimulus. And unless we've trained our minds to sit there and observe it and to not make it about us and just it is what it is, the ego will then apply meaning to that. Oh, that, that means they're angry at me. That means they've had a bad day. That means they've got the shits. That means they're hungover. That means this. That means that. And and it's all it's all imagination, which is anxiety. It's all jumping to a conclusion. It's all worst-case scenario. It's all heavily distorted reality. You've stepped out of the reality of what is. This person is not talking much. That's all it is. That's all the reality is. And then you go into this distorted reality and make up that narrative and all of a sudden you're so far down the rabbit hole, you're like Alice in Wonderland and you're, you're gone. And, and they come back and they say, oh, hey, mate, how are you? And they, they were just they were lost in thought. They were doing their own little thing, that none of which you knew because you're not in their head. And there's not actually a problem. And they come back and go, oh, hey, mate, and you're pissed off at them. You're yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I, was oh, I, was f- <laughs> I was fucking fine until I walked in here and you were being a prick. I was being a what? What? <laughs> no, no <laughs> how, idea. How, what, when did I become a prick? What did I know? All of a sudden, their egos kicked in and they're like, what? I'm, I'm a prick. How am I a prick? And then they're confused. And then it's all destructive. It's all imagination. <laughs> I was just sitting here thinking about the amazing weekend I had and, you know, I met this girl and blah, 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 or I went skiing or did something and, and I was in a really good place and then you've come along and called me a prick. It's, it's like worlds yeah. apart. And the, the, so that's, that's a great example of thinking of how we don't all live in the same world. We all live on the same planet, but we all live in completely different separate worlds and that world is, is created from within. Yeah, and it's and that's the key word you used there was training. It's something that we really have to train because that part of our brain is its mechanism is to give meaning to everything that that stimulates it. You know, it's if like, only there was a if only there was a business that you know specialised in training people's <laughs> minds and getting them mentally fitter and stronger and staying yeah. more present. And, mm. yeah, if anyone out there listening wants to create that kind of business, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, I saw um, someone started following me and they were mindful something. I think they've done some work with you. I, I can't remember mm-hmm. uh, who they were, but they spelt it M-Y-N-D-F-U-L. And I was like, oh, look at that. That's hey. so oh, yeah, I think that's one of our RCT students. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think I for the like, same reason, like not like, like I thought you were trying to just be cool by spelling it different, but it was like, it's my mind. Like that's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like be it. accountable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Using that, that training, that meaning, it makes me think of, um, I remember listening to, uh, yeah, Byron Katie a while ago and I um, think her daughter was, she taught the story of her daughter was going through some addiction or alcoholism and, and she was classic like mum sitting at home knowing that she was on a bender and then the mind just going crazy with all the, the imagination like what we're talking about like you know I need to go and get her, who's she hanging out with, is she overdosing, when are the police going to knock on the door, I need to get in my car and start searching the streets and then she eventually just, she kind of broke it down and just said lady sitting in a chair worried about her daughter and then gave it no more meaning apart from that. And so then this is, this is the training that we have to go to, but we have to step stepped out of that unnecessary suffering. And, and that's really important, I think, for people to 
understand the difference between necessary and unnecessary suffering. So, you know, anxiety, depression, guilt, anger, all those, those the four emotions we, we term as suffering in here are very healthy. They're very, Polly's scratching. I've got, got the dogs. <laughs> Dog, dog at work day. There's Daisy down there, and Polly's over there somewhere. Polly, Polly um, wants to put her two cents in. Yeah. So, you know, we, I had a client this morning come in, anxiety, panic attacks, and I'm like, oh, if your anxiety was sitting next to you, what would you do? And she go, I'll push it away. <laughs> so I'm mm. like, oh, well, that's very gentle. That's that's really nice. Most people want to blow it up or set it on fire or stab it with a trident, but she just wanted to push it away because she doesn't know what to do with it. And I was like, okay. Um, and then so we got talking. I explained that anxiety is just an emotion. It's on the it's on the spectrum of human emotions. So it's 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 we're going to encounter it. If you if your daughter goes out and and she and you know she's heavily into drugs and alcohol, there is going to be um, a healthy amount of anxiety there. Your, your mothers are going to worry about their children. That's understandable. The emotional reaction is in proportion to what they're experiencing, to, to, to what's going on, um, to what the situation is. Where it becomes unnecessary is where her mind then jumps into all of those distortions and goes, oh, and she's going to die and then she's going to, the police are going to turn up and that's all imagination completely running off into, into the distance, into the future, conjuring the worst possible case scenario of doom and gloom and then sitting and living in that. And that's, that's where she's, that's all completely unnecessary. So what she did because she's trained her mind, that's what we're doing here is step back into the reality of what is the reality of what is, is I am sitting here and my daughter is not here. Yeah. It's like the story of like the, um, you know, your your partner's really late home from work and hasn't uh, not hasn't answered your call and and won't hasn't let you know and everything and all of a sudden the voice in the head pops up and starts going into these just <laughs> where is she? Why hasn't she answered her phone? If she calls, it's, not it's like a commentator doing this. Yeah, it's, it's like- a commentator. But here's the funny thing that we'll do: it'll be so fucking pissed off at her and all these scenarios. Then all of a sudden, um, she does call or she comes, she calls and you're like, oh, fuck, I'll answer and go for her. And she's like, hey, babe, sorry I'm late, but you know, it's her anniversary and I've organized this amazing dinner for us and blah, blah, blah. And you forgot it was your fucking anniversary. And then you get off the phone, all of a sudden, that same commentator goes, she's so beautiful. I love her so much. I can't believe she did that for me. And you forget that five minutes ago, you were ready to attack, you know. This- but then, then the ego will attack you for not being perfect. Remember? Yeah. Now, <laughs> must be perfect so then you're fucked up and the, and it, the commentator switches and turns on you and goes you prick i can't believe you treated her so poorly five minutes ago you absolute bastard you're yeah. the worst boyfriend in the world and you forgot her anniversary and you sat here judging her and blah 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 and so it's, it's and, just, and we listen to it it takes all these different sides of an argument and at the time we take its advice, even though it can be completely opposing sides, and we forget the advice. You know, if, 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 if it was a relationship coach at that time that she didn't answer the phone call and he said, that's it, you're going to dump her, she's doing something dodgy, don't answer the phone, <laughs> then afterwards you would have be, you'd be firing that relationship coach because that's horrible advice. But we don't. We listen to it next time, you know, something happens because we don't do the training and we let this imagination run wild. And, and you it, know, it can't. It comes back to Viktor Frankl in between stimulus and spaces, uh, response, uh, in between stimulus and response is a space. And that's 
what we're training people to, to have the capacity, which isn't human nature, to step into that space and just observe things. Observe my partner's not here. She has an answer to find. There is no meaning beyond that. I, ha I have you know, ignorance and attachment are the source of that suffering that I talk about. I'm ignorant. I, I, I literally do not know. I have no evidence um, to form a valid opinion or belief upon most people's beliefs are so invalid that when you apply logical reasoning to them, they just simply crumble because yeah. there's no substance to them. So we're living in this, you know, with a head full of falsities and, and it's just causing so much anguish. You know, this comes back to something we've touched on on the podcast before, which is this, this great fear that we have as humans of, of sitting in the unknown because all of what well, you're talking the about unknown is, is the unknown is the greatest source of stimulus. Yeah, and so that's why we, we grab onto these uh, alleged certainties, which, like you said, if you look at them objectively, you're like, that is completely fucking ridiculous. And normally we do think that later on, but at the time, the ego wants to hold on to this certainty. So it creates the stories, says this is what's going on. Now I have some sort of certainty. Why? Because I'm, I don't want to sit in the unknown. I don't want to sit in the, in the space of I have absolutely no idea why that person's doing that or why, you know, this situation has happened. Um, so the ego wants to cling to that uncertainty. So the more safe and we can feel with, um, No, listeners, it's not broken. Your stereo's not playing up. Your incident hasn't dropped out. I sent Ryan a message through Zoom saying, let's intentionally go silent for 10 seconds to create some stimulus. And that silence is a massive source of stimulus. And I just want you to observe what happened in your mind then. Where did your mind just go racing off to? Did it sit there and just observe this is just silence. It, it doesn't mean anything beyond that. Did you just then go, oh, no, what's happening? Did you whack the side of your stereo or you know? press the app to make sure that the, the timer keeps going? <laughs> but I just wanted to do it in, in the moment as we were talking about it because it, it's such a beautiful source of stimulus. It's just that, that silence. Yeah. People hate silence. They do. The ego, the ego wants stimulus and it, need, and it needs to know everything. And, um, you know, we don't know pretty much everything, you know, we need to, um, well, and I, I, according I, to, according to Dom DiMatteo, we're all ignorant, we're all incompetent, we're all mediocre. That's what I, I've, I may have spoken about this before, but I, I had this idea. I think a lot of kids do growing up that, you know, when I was a little fella, I would say, well, people move into these different careers and then whoever's sort of, you know, at the top of a certain field, they know everything about that field. Like so, if, if experts. Experts. Yeah, yeah. So, so if someone's a scientist in a certain area. They know. They literally know <laughs> everything, right? And then I remember hearing the story about um, there was a, the, what was renowned as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, cell biologist in the world, and he was doing a lecture at a, a, a university in America. This is one of the, like the top of the field cell biologist, mm. and you know, in, in the universities, like in the states, they have the big classrooms with those massive. Um, whiteboards and yeah. he started the whole lecture by saying okay imagine this entire whiteboard is the human cell and then he walked up with his marker and put a one little dot in the middle and he goes 
this is how much we know about the human cell. And it's like, well, this is like well, the, the top expert in this particular field just saying, we know 99.99%. We don't know 99.99% of, of how a human cell works, but this is the little part that we do know. And so curiosity killed the cat, you know, and, and it's just such, once again, human nature is so inquisitive creatures and it can be a wonderful thing, but it's such a double-edged sword. So ignorance is bliss. So if we have no inquisitive nature, we're at this end of the spectrum, but if we're highly inquisitive, we're at that end. So once again, it's balance. It's coming back to balance. It's coming back to the middle of the spectrum. And, oh, that's interesting, yeah, but I don't have to know it. I don't have to know everything. I, I'm allowed to to be ignorant to some degree, and, and that's that's okay. It doesn't define me. If someone says, you don't know shit, I say, you're right. I don't, I don't know shit. That's a, that's, that's, you know that about me, so you're smarter than me. You, you, you know, it's, it's, and, but you can't, you can't have that lightness and that looseness you can't sit in that that nice bath if the ego is there and takes that personally absolutely yeah i think i like to see things like the ego the ego is is we have an ego so an ego is a part of us but it's not really who we are you know because if i we always talk about we're not our thoughts we're not our feelings Mm. we're just the observation of them but but people heavily identify with their thoughts, and this is the, I, I you know we think therefore I am. It, it hasn't helped us no. <laughs> as, a, as a as a as a species. I don't think. Um, but people are so in their emotions. I feel this, and so they're instantly associating with it. I, I feel this, so therefore I am angry. I am anxious. I am depressed. I have depression. No, you are just experiencing the feeling of anxiety. You're experiencing the feeling of sadness or hopelessness. Uh, the label for it is anxiety or depression, but you, you're, you're actually feeling afraid. Mm. That's it. You, that's, and, but you're not that feeling. It's impermanent. It's going to go away sooner or later. It's the same way our, our, our body has changed. You know, It's like I can sit here and go, well, I'm, I'm Ryan and I'm 36 and I weigh 95 kilos. It's like, yeah, but remember when you were – um, you know, in grade three, and you were thirty-five kilos. It's like which <laughs> one, Ryan? <laughs> I was. It, it was still the same Ryan that was looking in the mirror at a different version. You know, which is once again we talk about this observer. Like things are always changing and in flux. But that that thing in there that's been watching the whole show that hasn't changed. It's been the same. It's seen. It's seen. It's seen a lot of shit. I think, <laughs> but, it, but it, it hasn't changed. It hasn't been traumatized. It never had anxiety. It never had addiction. But it witnessed Orion go through all those things. Yeah, uh, and I think it's so important for us to stop and and do a self evaluation, a self assessment, an honest, non judgmental, non binary assessment, and go. How often is my ego in play, and what can I do to start, you know, emotionally maturing? Because yeah, if that's if that three-year-old Ryan is still in play, then the adult version of Ryan is is you know going to be hamstrung to some degree. Is is going to be an adult Ryan trying to run an adult business, being in adult relationships, being an adult father, an adult friend, but is going to have these immaturities popping out in certain situations there's still a few there <laughs> <laughs> i've got to be honest there's a couple still there. <laughs> well it's, it's an interesting thing when we talk about the inner child and let the inner child play 
and 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 that's really important to be playful and to be light and to to be childlike in our nature, but not childlike in our thinking. Mm. And there's a there's a big difference between the two. Yeah, yeah. I um I had a train of thought on something that you said, and I was going to talk about it, and it slipped my mind. What did we talk about? Was before it a steam was... train or an electric train? It was an electric train. Oh, nice. Well, if a, if a, if an electric train's going south and the wind is blowing from the south towards the north, which way does the steam go? Yeah, no, there's no steam. It's an electric train. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I love using those things with clients because it 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 that's a wonderful way for me to test their belief system and to, to test how the ego is involved. And they sit there, Oh, I have to get this right. I have to, I have to know the answer, you know, and just, that's the answer. But if they go, Oh, and then they get disappointed in themselves. It's, it's just, once again, it's a, a way of bringing to the surface how they're operating. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah, I still notice it within myself. Like when I was younger you know, we would, you know, as a family, do like a lot of quizzes. Like we're big into like the quizzes, like in the paper or whatever. Oh, and yeah. So, and so there was a lot of kind of importance on on knowing like general knowledge stuff. So then all of a sudden, yeah. that if we're thinking about the the tree of Ryan's ego, then there's a a strong branch around being and sounding intelligent. And I still find that. So when someone praises me for being intelligent, I kind of like Shane writing the bio. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, I, I'm like, okay, thank you. But I'm like, not fully taking it on because I know that my ego, that branch is going, more, more people show me I'm intelligent. <laughs> so the, the definition of happiness is to be content. Mm. Yeah. But it's, but we have this part of us that is constantly craving and thirsty and wanting more, more knowledge, more praise, more possessions, more this, more that. So, and yeah, so many people are walking around with an expectation that they should be happy, but they don't realize that the more they gain, the more they're just feeding their ego. So it's perpetuating this really destructive cycle. So, yeah, just just meditating on this this sense of contentedness. This uh, I have enough. I am enough. Um, you know, I, I, lo- I love meditating on like Marcus Aurelius. You know, when he had someone behind him saying you were just a man or whatever it was. I, I love meditating. We we can't do it all. We can't be it all. We can't have it all. Mm. And it's this after repeating that internally with your eyes closed a couple of times, it creates this sense of peace. Yeah. It does. It says, oh, oh, that's right. I, I can't have it all. I can't do it all. I can't be it all. And you can start to use life as well and start to notice, you know, in what situations are you finding yourself defensive? In what situations are you finding yourself needing to be right? You know, and then that's how we can start to notice the ego um, through using life itself. And whether that's in a, you know, conversation with a partner or co-worker or it can be just a situation that has or hasn't happened. And if you notice yourself starting to get constricted and, and feel like it should have been different or get defensive, then you can be like, okay, okay, that's ego. Yeah. Right then, right then you're taking something that wouldn't have been conscious before and you're making it conscious. Otherwise we just, otherwise we just react and I get defensive. And when I'm defensive, I just want to change. I want to change the person or change the situation to make myself feel better. But if we you're trying to change the external world to make the internal world feel better where that's pretty fucked. 
up on, on, good, on its head. Good luck, good luck with that. that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So once again, we're training people in here to not be so reactive, to, but to be mindfully responsive and to go internally and check yourself when you feel yourself getting heightened instead of trying to, to fix and change everything out there because that's too big a job. But it's too big a clock. job and, and your world, we've spoken about comfort zones a million times, but then your comfort zone will get smaller because your world will keep shrinking because you don't want it to touch your stuff. <laughs> and it's, it's like it's like it's like the you know the man who renounced the whole world and decided he was just going to go live in a cave by himself and and meditate because the world was too stimulating for him and mm. he had he was in the cave and there was just this little drip of water that kept going mm. all the time and he just <laughs> left the cave because that pissed him off as well <laughs> and that's i think a great way of looking at it, it was it was we we you know, I was talking to a client yesterday about meditation and he says, I use these apps and go to the beach and it's nice and relaxing and sometimes I lay down, I lay on the couch and I'm like, all right, let's do a meditation now. And he just did a 15-minute meditation and he came out of that and he's like, oh, fuck, that was hard. That was, oh, that was such a hard meditation. And I'm like, because you actually meditated. You actually sat there and, and didn't just allow someone to relax you. Mm. Um, we sat there and we actually built some resilience, built some tolerance. You know, and the the the, <laughs> the 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 guy who ran off into his cave to meditate obviously wasn't meditating properly because he wasn't building tolerance to that dripping. He didn't use that drip as a source of stimulus to meditate on and, and sit there and just realize that the dripping is impermanent. It's going to go away. It's da 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 da. So. Yeah, it's. Um, I'd love clients, uh, sorry, listeners that are listening to this to uh, once this is finished, turn off and just spend a couple of minutes afterwards with your eyes closed and just allow the words, I can't do it all, I can't be it all, I can't have it all to run through your mind and, and I am ignorant, I am incompetent, I am mediocre to some degree and that's okay. Just really sort of put these um, bits of stimulus, I suppose, in that internal world and let them and let them bump up against the ego and just observe how it feels and and just 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 you know reflect on how that experience is for you yeah absolutely yeah and just meditate on these feelings of of defensiveness that you get and just say you know why am i why am i so defensive if if my partner says this or my boss says this or or something happens like why do i clam up like that what's in my ego structure that's causing me to clam up so much like there's a i don't remember the exact quote um but it's something along the lines of as, as, as soon as something loses the ability to offend you, you, you it has no power over you. And this yeah, is what yeah. happens. There's, there's, like, lot, there's, lot, there's lots of them around. But you know, go back to you know, Don Miguel, don't take things personally. It's, whatever someone says has nothing to do with you. So if you're triggered, that says more about you than it, your ego than it says about them. But it also says a lot about them, what they're saying. So it's that... Um, balance again, the word balanced comes back around. It's like, all right, how, what part did I play in this um, getting heightened and what part did they play? All right, well, this says, this says about them, but I don't need to judge the label. They're actually in suffering themselves. They're hurting. They're trying to hurt me. But I can't help them by just you know, asking how they're doing if I'm in survival mode, if I'm struggling. So, yeah, it's... Um, uh, something that we constantly need to keep working on and keep in check and keep in mind. We can't just sort of you know, do a 12 week program and then go, oh, no, that, that's it. The ego is fine. She's all, whoop, yeah, ego's in, in that cave. Yep, no worries. 
because then something will start dripping and then you'll go, go ah, ah. So it's a, it's, it's a lifestyle. You know, we just, we just, we, it becomes a lifestyle and we, we become very conscious of our, of our internal as opposed to the external. And we just keep noticing when these things keep popping up. And then, you know, if we're not aware of it, we can't change it. If we're aware of it, we can make different decisions. And this is like you're well, saying, it's a, it's a, we go from reacting to health, health. Mental, mental health. health. It's like it with your physical health. It's, it's a pretty lifestyle. important. It's a lifestyle. If you, if you stop going to the gym, your physical health is going to change. And if you stop doing your mental reps, then your mental health will change. So, yeah, that's about it. And just something with, um, I've got to finish up in a minute. Just I remember you spoke about the, the anxiety earlier and I try and just offer people a little bit of a, a reframe on their anxiety because I hear things like you, like I gently, you know, she, you said your client just wanted to like push the anxiety away. But oftentimes I'll hear a lot more harsh terms as well. Like I just want to fucking kill it. I want yeah. it to like blow Give it to the other gun. side of the world. Like I, I, I hate it. You know, these really, really strong yeah. words. And it's like, you know, anxiety, yes, it's on the spectrum of human emotions, but it's feedback. You know, and I often say a lot of people struggle with more chronic anxiety because they've been given this feedback. So say there's like a little a little version of them just tugging on their shirt, trying to get their attention because they perceive some sort of threat. And then we're just like pushing it away. Like your client, like, go away, stop tugging on my shirt. Then over time, it starts tugging harder on the shirt and you're like, go away go away go away and in the end it's like banging you on the side of their head trying to get your attention but you keep trying to turn away from it so i often tell clients at the start it's like let's try and befriend this anxiety and start to see that it's 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 probably a build-up of a lot of times that you've pushed it away when it's a part of you that's just trying to get your attention it's actually trying to help you in some way even it's just saying something's not working you know when yeah. when the anxiety i was experiencing you know 11 or 12 years ago has prevented me from leaving the house, it was telling me my mind was not working properly. It was, it was a massive red flag that was trying to say, Nick, you, you've got to go and get your mind back in shape. You are so heavily distorted. The reality that you are creating for yourself is completely out of shape. Um, uh, but, you know, in doing so, it was also preventing me from going and getting my head in shape because it wouldn't let me leave the house. <laughs> yeah. What do you want from me, ego? Because we push it away. Like we push it away, you know, either, you know, by distracting ourselves or we can use alcohol or drugs and we keep pushing it away. And it gets to the point where literally, literally that anxiety tells your mind you can't leave the house because there's threat out there. And, and then uh, I get depressed because I can't leave the house and then I want to, you know, end my life but i don't want to end my actual life i just want to end the life that i'm living and exactly oh fun times man fun time let's wrap it up mate you gotta go i do gotta go oh look oh god if you're not on youtube hi daisy, i am the, daisy the little puppy is that the, the, the new office manager hey, daisy. <laughs> office manager it's a yeah, big, manager. big role for a young pup yes but i can handle it how's she going with it she's going all right with that role there's pole. Or is she finding it a little bit rough? <laughs> dad, dad jokes are on point at the minute. Uh, uh, they, I love them. And I'm allowed to use dad jokes now because I've got a little baby. Absolutely. You have permission. You have a card. Oh. All right. Well, I better go. I've got someone coming in. So I'll um, 
Good chat. Thanks, listeners. Be Thank awesome. You, listeners. Be awesome. Notice the ego. Notice the unhealthy parts of the ego and don't beat yourself up about it. We've all got this stuff going on and um, use life as a teacher and then meditate on those parts. And we mm. wish you the absolute best on that journey. And myself and Nico will see you all next week. Okay. Peace, Peace. out. Take care. Bye. Thank you for tuning into the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also, leave us a five-star rating. We thank you so much, and we'll see you all next time.